0: The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are that of the hosts and represent no other individual organisation or entity. Good evening, Roger. Good evening, Adam. It's Adam and Roger. Break the news time again.
1: Yeah, and it is the 25th of November, 2023. One month to go! Exactly! One month, exactly. So we will be talking about our Christmas schedule soon, but we'll be talking about our normal schedule, because it might be a bit different in the coming weeks. So we'll just play it by ear, but we'll do our best to try and get the podcast out, but it may come out earlier or it may come out later, we haven't fully decided yet. Because um, you're
0: starting your new job, are you? I am
1: starting my new job, so yeah, we'll see when it comes out, but we'll just have to see what happens. But as usual, I attended a park run today and I managed to shave 19 seconds off my PB at Cliff Castle, but I got 21.01, which obviously is not great compared to the other ones but it is a much harder course with a very very steep hill obviously you have to go up it three times and i think roger knows which hill i'm talking about the really steep one yeah
0: and it was very cold this morning it too. was
1: i think it was about minus one minus two i had
0: to de-ice my car for yes. the first time this morning
1: and yeah, and my dad had to it as well we had to scrape it a few saturdays ago actually as well but uh, but yeah it was very iced up this morning And I absolutely felt really cold running around there. Whilst I was running, I could barely move my hands. They felt so, so stiff. And then at the end of it, I was okay for maybe a few seconds. And then I just felt all sick and dizzy. But I wasn't actually sick. But, yeah.
0: I think we've both pushed ourselves to the limit this week, yeah, haven't Yeah, I'm
1: probably a bit silly with how I dressed myself. Probably should have wore maybe a longer top and rather than having shorts, maybe some proper long track suit bottoms, which I do have. I haven't got them all out there, but training runs, I would have done that. And, and I probably should have worn gloves as well, but I have a problem Whenever it's cold outside, my nose just runs and I always need a tissue. And when I'm running, I don't know why my nose always runs anywhere when I run. I don't know if it's just that I'm sensitive to outdoor weather or from my body reacting to my running, but yeah, my nose always runs when I run anywhere. So I have no choice other than to. Yeah, not wear gloves, because I have one glove on and one glove off, then it'll slow me down, because I'll be holding the phone all the time and trying to take it on and off, so I just decided to, yeah, not bother wearing them, which mean yeah, my hands really stiff and yeah it wasn't a nice experience but I did manage to get a PB through it
0: all. I hope you find it's worth it. 19 seconds but anyway it's done now. Marginal. It's a marginal gain and that's it. Well well done to you. I'm shattered for a very different reason. I've come back yesterday from a three-day-long residential at work at Ingleborough Hall up in the Dales. Absolutely brilliant experience, but physically and mentally totally exhausting. I've Mm. caught up on most of my sleep today, but... I still feel a bit foggy. So
1: were you sleeping
0: outside then, or in a tent, or...? No, 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 we were sleeping in the opulence of Ingeborough Hall, and it's Mm. a very nice place. Warm, comfy beds. I won't call it luxury, but it's like staying in a really nice youth hostel, and the staff there look after you very well. The meals are very good. I'd definitely recommend it if you fancy a bit of adventuring. They do have some, like, public and family sessions it's not that just kind of school, residentials.
1: Yeah, and like I say, yeah, that must have been nice, but yeah, like I say, sleeping with other people will have probably been quite noisy, nice you will not been used to the conditions and probably left them to wake up maybe quite a few times through the night as well.
0: Yes, but the kids did have a great time, mm. everyone was safe, so I'm very, very happy and call it a success. Good, well, I'm glad that was a success. I've got another big success I've had this week is I've pre-ordered my PlayStation 5. Did you get a Black Friday discount on it? No, I've ordered the new Slim Console, so I paid a lot more for it than I would have done if I'd have got a deal on the old model. But I want the shiny new thing. I said to my wife, I don't want a bargain. I want the Slim Console. I've waited long enough. I've had this money saved for a long time. I'm treating myself. So hopefully that will arrive sometime this week.
1: But did you shop around? That was the question, because some places might have had it on Black Friday discounts.
0: There were loads of Black Friday discounts on the old console, but this is a new version that so they released. they didn't want
1: to discount it because obviously no. they know it's so popular.
0: Exactly, yeah. The old console you could get for Black Friday really cheap but, like I said, I wasn't after a bargain. I was after the new one. And yep,
1: you want something good. The trouble with new stuff, prices just plummet very fast.
0: They <laughs> do, but for the few weeks up to Christmas, I'll have the latest, greatest console and I'm very happy with it. Well, that's um, good. At I'll least you're s- happy with it. That's the main uh, thing. I'll certainly get my money's worth i did from my last console my last console has lasted me nearly seven or eight years so mm. if i'm using it near enough every day then i'll be very happy with it it'll serve me very well hopefully Your
1: fingers crossed
0: i could have pre-ordered it from quite a few places but i went with curries in the end because they were one of the first ones to pre-order and i've used them before and i know they're good and reliable so yeah. here's hoping
1: I'm sure it'll be good, and like I say, if there is any problems, it's yeah a reputable company, so I'm sure you'd be able to get it replaced if there were an issue. So let's
0: kick off the podcast. Why not? Before we do, though, let's give the recommendation to everyone that you can email us at breakthenewspod at gmail.com. Send us an early Christmas present in the form of your views thoughts ideas suggestions whatever yeah
1: please do and we start with some well there were some good news this week on this but it seems to have backfired a bit again this evening
0: yeah i was hoping that this week we were starting to see another wind down in the gaza israel conflict but doesn't look like it here's the latest on the bbc news summary so Hamas has announced it's delaying the release of further Israeli hostages because they had started this week. And a statement by its military wing says Israel has broken the terms of the truce deal over aid deliveries to northern Gaza. Israel has not commented. A group of up to 14 hostages had been expected to be released on Saturday as part of the Qatar Broker deal. Israel is prepared to release a group of Palestinian prisoners. It's the second day of a four-day pause in fighting between Israel and Hamas in the Gaza Strip. Friday saw a release of 24 hostages and 39 Palestinian prisoners. Just as a recap, Hamas's attacks on the 7th of October killed 1,200 people with about 240 taken hostage. Since then... Gaza's hamas from health ministry says more than 14,500 people have been killed in Israel's retaliatory campaign. We nearly saw an end to it, Adam, but obviously not. What do you think?
1: Well, I don't think we're probably going to see an end. I think there may be ceasefires, but because the two sides very, very dislike each other or even hate each other, I think that's the reason why it's just going to kick off and sadly it seems to be the case. Even before this actually broke today, there were already still pro-Palestinian marches in the UK today taking place, and there were actually some arrests that occurred. Yep, the police actually arrested some of the protesters this time, including a breakaway group who had been detained, and it just shows that even if there is a ceasefire, the tensions within this country are still not going to be going away.
0: This is the war that never ends, it just goes on and on, my friends. And I agree with you, Adam, even if there is a pause in the fighting, we've seen lots of pauses and even ceasefires before, and it just ends up broken because Israel and Gaza want each other gone. This is a fight to the death.
1: I believe so, unfortunately. Yeah, I just think that, obviously, the sides hurt each other, and yeah, I don't think it's going to sort itself out, because there'll just be revenge attacks all the time.
0: I do get these people who are marching for peace and protesting because they want peace, but shame on anyone who is protesting for war. I don't get how you can be for war. I've never been in a war fighting, but even I can see what a terrible thing it is yeah
1: and people do lose their lives when there's wars don't this so it's not very fair on all civilians
0: no but this is just going to rumble on sadly and i stick with my prediction that we will get some sort of ceasefire eventually whatever they want to call it there'll be a long pause in the fighting and it'll last a year maybe two and then all will start again
1: Yeah, well, this one didn't last very long, did it? Maybe a day or two, but we'll just have to wait and see.
0: Well, I think the pause is still holding, but they're just not swapping hostages anymore.
1: Yeah, it sounds like, yeah, obviously, I haven't looked into it, but Hamas started accusing Israel of uh, them apparently preaching it by not sending aid, and they've decided not to release Hostages, but like I say, there's always a lot of miscommunication in this war and, yeah, it sometimes takes time and for this aid to
0: come in. And there's a lot of lying and propaganda from both sides, let's face it. Well, there is. But that's what happens in a war, isn't it? No
1: side's going to be honest if there's fighting going on.
0: No. By the time this podcast comes out, they'll either be exchanging hostages again or the bombs will be flying yeah, again.
1: And and just to put this on the record, at five oh seven there's breaking news. Qatar confirms 13 Israeli hostages to be released tonight. So it does appear that Israel are still releasing hostages. Um not sure about Palestinians they said they were holding some back. And <laughs> this confirms second release of hostages will go ahead. So, yeah, there is some good news from both sides.
0: Let's hope the hostage releases do go ahead by the time this podcast goes out instead of bombs flying.
1: Yeah, well, fingers crossed. And I'm sure there'll be more news, but I'm not sure we'll edit it all in because this news story just keeps on changing. And me and you have both got our own lives to focus on, and there is important news within this country as well. We had the autumn statement this week, so in terms of that, I'm just going to read out the BBC website. I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to read out the main points under the different sections. So on taxation and wages, the main rate of national insurance was cut from... 12% to 10% from the 6th of January affecting 27 million people, Class 2 National Insurance paid by self-employed people earning more than £12,570 abolished from April, Class 4 National Insurance for self-employed paid on profits between £12,570 and £50,270, cut from 9% to 8% from April. Legal minimum wage, known officially as the National Living wage to increase from £10.42 to £11.44 an hour from April. New rate to apply for the 21 and 22 year old workers for the first time rather than just those 23 and over. And on benefits and pensions, universal credit and other working-age benefits in England and Wales to increase by 6.7% from April in line with September's inflation rate. Local housing allowance rates, which determine level of housing benefit and universal credit people receive to pay rent in Great Britain to be unfrozen and increased to 30% of local rents from April. Work capability assessment to be reformed to reflect availability of home working after COVID pandemic. Funding of £1.3 billion over the next five years to help people with health conditions find jobs, further £1.3 billion help people who have been unemployed for over a year. Claimants in England and Wales deemed able to work who refuse to seek employment to lose access to their benefits and extras like free prescriptions. State pension payments to increase by 8.5% from April in line with average earnings consultation on whether savers get the right to pick the pension scheme their employer pays into, possibly allowing them to have one pension popped for life. And in terms of the economy and public finances, Chancellor's package includes 110 measures aimed at boosting economic growth, and they're not all listed here. Independent Office for Budget Responsibility, OBR, expects the economy to grow by 0.6% this year, And 0.7% next year, rising to 1.4% in 2025, then 1.9% in 2026, 2% in 2027 and 1.7% in 2028. It forecasts that inflation, the rate prices are increasing will fall to 2.8% by the end of 2024 far reaching the Bank of England's 2% target rate in 2025. Living standards are not expected to return to pre-pandemic levels until 2027 to 2028. Underlying debt forecast to be 91.6% of GDP next year, 92.7% in 2024 to 2025, 93.2% in 2026 to 2027, far declining to 92.8% in 2028 to 2029 and borrowing forecasts fall from 4.5% of GDP in 2023 to 2024 to 3% in 2024 to 2025, 2.7% in 2025 to 2026, and 2.3% in 2026 to 2027, and 1.6% in 2027 to 2028, and 1.1% in 2028 to 2029, and for business and infrastructure, full expansion tax break, allowing companies to deduct spending. On new machinery and equipment from profits made permanent, part of the 75% business rates. Discount for retail, hospitality and leisure firms in England extended for another year. Households living close to new pylons and transmission infrastructure to get up to £1,000 a year off. Energy bills for a decade. New premium planning services across England with faster decision dates for major business applications and fee refunds when these are not met. Funding of 5.5 billion billion to attract investment to strategic manufacturing sectors including green energy, aerospace, life sciences and zero emission vehicles. Some £500 million over the next two years to fund artificial intelligence, innovation centres, financial incentives for investment zones and tax reliefs for three parts, extended from five years to ten years with new investment zones announced for the West Midlands, East Midlands and Greater Manchester as well as Wrexham and Flintshire. A further £80 million for new levelling up partnerships to fund regeneration projects in Scotland and the government funding. Reaffirms previous commitments made last autumn to provide $14.1 billion for the NHS and adult social care in England as well as an extra 2 billion for schools in both 2023 to 2024 and 2024 to 2025. Developed governments in Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland get equivalent funding, but OBR. Says higher inflation means real value of departmental budgets will be 19 billion lower by 2027 to 2028 compared with March forecasts. Defense spending to remain at 2% of national income, a NATO commitment. Overseas aid spending kept at 0.5% of national income, below the official 0.7% target. And some other measures are that all alcohol duty frozen until the 1st of August next year, which suggests that the next election is going to be before the 1st of August. Duty rate of tobacco products increases by 2% above RPI inflation and Rolling tobacco rises 12% above RPI. Fuel duty wasn't mentioned, so remains 52.95p per litre for petrol and diesel after the Chancellor announced a 5p per litre cut for 12 months in March, up to 7 million over next three years for organizations like the Holocaust Educational Trust to tackle anti-Semitism in schools and universities, funding of five million for Imperial College and Imperial College Healthcare NHS Trust to set up Fleming Centre to work on health innovations, some three million for tackling paramilitarism programme in Northern Ireland and that's just took me a oh, a you're
0: going to be sick again Adam that, uh,
1: like I said there the were much more that's just a summary but like I said I did want to get a lot of the main points in there. What oh, did geez. you make about the autumn statement?
0: Oh Jesus, there's bits of good news in there and it indicates that things are on the turn towards more positive and that the government expect to make a recovery. There's good news in there for the rich and for the poor as well. But it's not enough. There's nothing in there that's really setting my world on fire. The thing that will make the most difference to me is the national insurance cuts. But Mm -hmm. as I'm going to talk about in a little bit, I feel like the economy, the world, takes with one hand and gives with the other.
1: Yeah, and do you think this was a bit of a budget giveaway before the next general election.
0: Yeah, it definitely feels like a budget. The way that and you've read that there, it's indistinguishable from a budget. And
1: one of the key points, which I know it's not much of the media has actually picked up on, but all alcohol duty, it's going to be frozen until the 1st of August next year. Well, if they're going to put it up after the 1st of August, my guess is going to be that there's going to be an election before the 1st of August. I don't know if you agree with my analysis there.
0: Certainly do. I think the election will come quite early in the year, to be honest.
1: Well, it probably will be next year sometime. I don't know when, but there is speculation that they might be having a January budget rather than a March one to announce more measures ahead of a general election. So there's been speculation late. So I reckon there is a general election on the way. Yeah, I can understand why they would raise it after August anyway, because it is the busiest time, but you're not suddenly had the alcohol duty back on before an election. So I reckon... If they're freezing up until the 1st of August, I reckon they're planning a general election then, but obviously it will all depend on the polls and they might freeze it for longer if they're not doing very well. But yeah, I think they're probably aiming for a spring election sometime, probably May, but with the local elections I reckon most likely, but it could be any other time between that.
0: It's very good news for the hospitality industry in the run-up to Christmas and New Year and party season that they won't have to increase their prices so much. Yeah. Because um, I do think they're struggling a lot this year.
1: Yeah, but do you think the reason they've done this is to help them. I do you think the reason they've done this is for a boost before the next general election. Because if people's alcohol's cheaper, people will be
0: happier. I think you'd have to have drunk an awful lot of alcohol to still consider voting Conservative. Yes,
1: but all the little measures do add up, so you've got that you've got national insurance, you've got the minimum wage boost.
0: He is hoping that it does turn people around and people are a lot happier and wealthier and feel better off and more secure. But I don't think they will.
1: <laughs> no, and I've seen Paul in one poll suggested that it got worse, another one suggested it got slightly better, one suggested it has got a lot better, but overall average... It just suggests that, yeah, it may have swung maybe a very few voters towards Conservative, but not many at all to win an election.
0: I think one of the most telling things in that article there was where it was saying things won't be back to pre-pandemic levels until 27, 28.
1: Yeah, and people are going to look when they're voting and think, well, I'm worse off now, so the Conservatives have messed us up, not made us better, so them people are not going to vote them. But are we still better than 2010?
0: That's the question. But then if and when Labour win the next election and this recovery does happen, everyone's going to praise the government of the day, not realising it was Rishi who started the recovery, who was around when the recovery happened. I'm not sure how much of this recovery is due to Rishi or if it would have happened anyway.
1: We've got to remember Richie Sunak. He was Chancellor under Boris Johnson's government for a while as well, so he's got a lot of economic responsibility on himself.
0: (laughs) So it could be his own problem that he's fixing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so that might be one reason why he's very unpopular as well.
0: To be honest, I've said before and I'll say it again, I think both parties are bad as each other, really. And it would be very interesting if a third party started sniffing some real power. But I don't think that's gonna happen. We've had some unexpected election results across the rest of the world. Yes, we have. So in the Netherlands,
1: Yut Wilders, veteran, anti-Islam populist leader has won a significant victory in the Dutch election, securing thirty-seven seats for his freedom. Party, PVV, after 25 years in Parliament. Despite his triumph, he needs to form a coalition to reach the necessary 76 seats for governments. And I believe they've started talking and it doesn't look like coalition farming seems to be going very well for either side, so I'm not sure what's going to happen there. Wilders, known for his anti-immigration stance, Expressed a willingness to negotiate, emphasising his goal to be a prime minister for everyone. The left wing alliance trailed with 25 seats, rejecting any collaboration from Wilders. The election outcome shaking Dutch politics could have broader implications for Europe as Wilders advocates for an exit referendum to leave the EU. And this was actually unexpected, this win, which suggests actually that there's a lot of shy right-wing voters in the country that didn't want to answer the polls truthfully. What do you make of this news?
0: It's an interesting trend that other European countries seem to be Leaning more right, whereas we are probably about to go more left with our (laughs) government.
1: Yeah. But do you think reform will do better than what they've expected? Although, saying that, I think we know from local elections they actually do worse than what they are expected.
0: I've said before on this podcast, I think they will.
1: Yeah, they might do at a general election, yeah. But, like I say, local election it is different because they don't stand for anything local, they do, they? But, yeah, a general election, maybe they will. We'll just have to wait and see.
0: They're hot on the heels of the Lib Dems at the moment, aren't they? Mm,
1: yeah, although Lib Dems are still ahead of them in most polls.
0: But I think if... the Lib Dem and Reform voters got together, that would create a party that could become an opposition.
1: Yeah, but the Lib Dems and Reform, I don't think they'd get on very well together, to be honest.
0: No, and it's a shame because with the Conservatives predicted to lose up to 300 MPs, there's a chance that another strong opposition party could form and that would be very exciting politically. I know it wouldn't be good for you, Adam. No, but
1: if Reform did gain some seats... And they did do quite well, but the Conservatives lost enough and it ended up being a home parliament, but the reform had enough seats to form a coalition with the Conservatives. Could that mean that Conservatives and reform might end up doing a coalition government?
0: Anything's possible. I remember the the coalition government... Although that was Labour and Lib Dem, wasn't it? Well,
1: there were Conservatives. Was it Lib Conservatives Dems and Lib Dem? That's yeah. the
0: one. See, that's how bad it is. I couldn't remember if it was Conservatives or Labour who did the coalition with Lib Dem. But yeah, David it was Cameron. David Cameron, wasn't it? Yeah. The person
1: who was back out right now. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I know that the Lib Dems were very ineffective, even in coalition government. Mm. They just got stomped on by the Conservatives.
1: And, like I said, they haven't really made comeback since, although they have actually done quite well in recent by-elections. They have made a bit of a recovery, so it'll be interesting to see how the Lib Dems do at the next general election. I suspect they'll win quite a few more seats.
0: And I suspect reform will leech a lot of those seats. I
1: think reform voters are much more scattered, though, and I don't think... They're going to be as organised in terms of the campaign planning as the Lib Dems. Lib Dems have been at it for years. Reform, obviously they're a new upcoming party. We saw the Brexit party did face similar to Reform. And guess how many seats the Brexit party got in 2019? Was it one? Zero. Zero. <laughs> so if the Brexit party didn't get any seats and that we're under Nigel Farage's leadership. How's Richard Tice going to do with the reform party? Because it's the way the UK's voting system works. It's much different to the Netherlands, so people are often voting for the party that they dislike the
0: least. Maybe Richard Tice can organise them a little bit better than Nigel Farage can, but I wouldn't be so sure. Yeah,
1: and they're going to have to get their activists out there, which I think a lot of their activists are not going to be very active, like the Lib Dem activists, unfortunately. I think if activists are not active, you can't expect to win an election, which I don't think in terms of reform activists, I don't think they'll be very active. The Lib Dem activists were very, very active, and they're very active in specific seats. But the right-wingers just never seem to be as active on the campaign front. I'm sad to say that, because I cling to the right, but I have generally noticed that right-wingers are generally less active in terms of the campaigns, because I bet you've noticed that you get a lot more leaflets from left-wing parties. I've seen a lot more left-wing leaflets than right-wing leaflets, haven't you?
0: Yeah, I only tend to get leaflets from the racist parties and the Labour Party.
1: Yeah, well that's because you've got one active, I'm not sure if he's a racist <laughs> candidate or what. But it's the British Democrats who seems to put a leaflet through each year, which is a bit silly because it's not going to get in. But at least he tries. That's the main thing.
0: Yeah, he's having a go. I was just looking up there mentioning Nigel Farage, how he's doing in the jungle. Because my wife is watching, I'm a celebrity, but she keeps falling asleep. But apparently, he's doing quite well. He's fourth favorite to win. Mm, so He isn't going to win. My
1: fifth favorite,
0: not He isn't going to win it. Jodie Gibson's going to win it. She's a reality TV superstar. Mm. She won Big Brother by a landslide years ago. She's very popular. But Farage isn't doing too badly.
1: The need to be popular with the younger people, you see, because it's mostly younger people that are going to be watching it. Now, Nigel Farage is not going to have that popularity with the younger people. He might have a bigger popularity with the older people, perhaps, but I don't think he's as popular with the younger ones
0: he's going to leave the jungle with one and a half million in his bank if the news stories about how much he's been paid are to be believed.
1: Yeah, so he'll still get a lot of money from it. And he might have connected quite a lot of younger people towards him, so a lot more younger people might be more likely to support him if there were an election. But do you think he'll make a comeback from this?
0: I think he'll enjoy a bump in popularity. A few more people might watch his GB News show. Mm. But I don't think we'll see a political comeback for Nigel Farage.
1: Mm. Yeah, I don't think we'll see a political comeback either. Although I'm not so sure because he is a lot more popular than Richard Tice and if Richard Tice stands aside to let Nigel Farage take back control of the reform party because obviously yeah, he didn't want the work but now there's an election coming up he might let Nigel Farage take control because he knows that he's a lot more well-known and can get the points across to the public easier. So he might end up taking leader of Reform again, but we'll just have to wait and see. But Richard Tice probably might want to do it himself if he's gaining popularity.
0: And if anything extreme does happen in the celebrity jungle, I'm sure my wife will let me know and I'll let us know on the podcast.
1: Yeah. Definitely. It
0: only lasts a few weeks. I think it's the final next week or the week after. Mm. So it's an interesting thing going on in the background anyway, isn't it?
1: Yep. And like I say, yeah, I don't watch I'm a Celebrity, but I've been seeing news about it and the odds the other day because I wanted to see how likely it were that Nigel Farage wins, but it doesn't look like it's going to be very likely.
0: No, but he's doing well that's a good thing.
1: And and I read an article I can't even do all the activities either because of the plane crash that I were in in 2010.
0: I'm sure they'll still find lots of other miserable things for him to do.
1: Yes, they'll find plenty of stuff for him to do, and they are finding stuff for him to do, and he's doing lots of activities anyway.
0: Good luck to him, I say. So when you were talking about the government spending there, the autumn statement, I did mention that then give with one hand and take with the other. And this is my personal theory as to where they're taking from, because, yes, we've got some extra money due to the national insurance cut, but household energy prices in the UK are set to increase in January, with the energy regulator Ofgem announcing a rise of £94, or 5%, in the typical annual household bill attributing the increase to higher wholesale costs faced by suppliers. The price cap, affecting 29 million households in England, Wales and Scotland, sets the maximum amount suppliers can charge per unit of gas and electricity. Gas will be charged at 7p per kilowatt hour, while electricity will be 29p per kilowatt hour. Analysts participate a potential decrease in prices by March. Yeah, right. Ofgem CEO Jonathan Brearley emphasised the importance for suppliers to assist those struggling with bills during this financially challenging period. And it's a shame that that assistance always seems to take the form of helicopter money rather than stopping us relying on these energy bozols. What do you think, Adam?
1: Well, like I say, energy prices have unfortunately risen in recent months, so I don't think there's much of a surprise there that Off have had to raise the price cap, but like I say, you are right that, yeah, they've given away, but only for it to be melted away by negative news the next day. So, obviously, price cap is going up, so energy bills are going to go back up a bit again, but not going to be where they were last year, of course, but still higher than the previous months. So, yeah, it's not good news. But I don't think this is necessarily the reason why they were giving away. I think the reason why they were giving away anyway was because obviously it was clear that they've pencilled in an election before the 1st of August so I still think that this is just an independent body and the autumn statement was going to go ahead anyway on that day and so was the price caps and nothing's been moved around here I'm not as suspicious as what you are.
0: I'm very suspicious and my suspicion is that our politicians many of them have friends family maybe even themselves through proxy Interests in these energy companies. So they have no major issue with the energy prices going up and the energy company profits increasing.
1: That's true, yeah.
0: Because they always do seem to increase.
1: Yeah. But households live in close to new pylons and transmission infrastructure to get up to a £1,000 a year off energy bills for a decade. That was the policy.
0: So... Would you live next to an energy pylon for a thousand pounds a year?
1: Would energy pylon be nicer?
0: I think they can be. Mm. Sometimes. Sometime. I'm not sure if it would
1: do you any good. So I can see why they might do that policy to stop proposing it, because it is quite a big temptation that thousand pounds, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Well, maybe you're signing some of your rights away when you get that money. That's yeah. shady business, but if it's you ask like me. i
1: say, they are announcing that alongside this. So this actually came day before. So if they do actually manage to upgrade their infrastructure, then hopefully in the long term prices can come down. So I guess that's how they can argue the way out of the energy price cap raising.
0: And they always try and argue their way out of it. And I just don't trust these energy bozos. I remember how much I was spitting feathers in April when they announced record profits and were saying, we just can't help it. Even we're surprised at how much money we're making. What a shame. Oh, I I hate them.
1: Fair enough. And I guess you hate them on the legal migration because that's been a bit of a crisis.
0: I'll just say, the day that I can stick solar panels on my house and a nice wind turbine and stop relying on them will be the happiest day of my life Well, good to
1: hear that and yeah i'm not sure if there are much happy days this week apart from obviously the national insurance being cut which may benefit you marginally but obviously the benefits have been eroded by the energy price caps so yeah, probably not good news. So UK's net migration hit a record 745,000 last year, significantly higher than initially reported at 606,000. Number 10 acknowledged the issue with PM Richie Sunak's spokesperson expressing concern over the strain on communities. Labour leader, Sakir Starmer, criticised the shockingly high migration, attributing it to failures in immigration, asylum and the economy. ONS data indicated a 1% growth in England and Wales, primarily driven by international migration. Despite a recent slowdown, the figures pose political challenge for the government, especially given the long-standing Conservative promise to reduce migration. Talks of other Potential measures include limiting relatives for health workers and raising salary thresholds have surfaced. Additionally, the government faces criticism for high spending on hotels to house asylum seekers. Population reached 60.2 million in mid 2022, with growth varying across regions. Some suggest that while net migration remains Hi. historically, there are signs it may be starting to decline. Now, I don't believe that because I've seen the GP registration numbers. Mm-hmm. And the initial estimates are higher than the initial estimates for the previous period because the initial estimates, which um, ChatGPT has cut out for 2023, are actually 672,000, whereas before it was only 606,000, the initial estimates, so I reckon it's going to be much higher and I've seen that the GP registrations are higher than the previous year. So I knew this was happening and I think we're still underestimating these figures significantly. I think we're getting more like possibly over a million people entering each year. Net migration, that's my estimates, but...
0: I agree with you, purely based on all of the evidence you've been giving us on this podcast throughout the year.
1: Yep, so I knew this is going to be high and I think these figures are going to be higher and the reason why they estimate that it's gone down is because of the people with humanitarian reasons has fallen but actually that might be the case but if we look deeper into the figures the people for work study and family visas have actually all risen so it doesn't suggest that the figures are going to go down it just suggests that maybe there may just be a temporary blip The figures continue rising, so this actually looks exponential to me.
0: And there's plenty more humanitarian crises and immigration probably coming next year, especially as we get refugees from Gaza.
1: Yes, because before we had refugees from Ukraine and Afghanistan, and also the illegal migrants that crossed the channel, which obviously there has been a bit of a lull, but now we're going to get all these coming from. Israel and Palestine probably, so that's going to go up and we're probably going to see legal migration continue to rise. So I don't see these numbers coming down. I can only see them going in one direction, which is up. And
0: I agree with you. Yes. At uh, least we live in a country that is desirable enough for people to immigrate to. the
1: trouble is, rent prices keep going up. Homelessness has actually increased in the past year because of this Mm -hmm. and it's going to continue to increase. We're also seeing birth rates decrease and I think that's partly due to this as well because if people can't get married, can't get a house, can't live as a family or choosing not to because it's so expensive, then it's actually declining our indigenous birth rates in the more expensive areas. So really, the UK is going to become very multicultural very, very fast, I reckon.
0: And in some ways, that's a good thing. However we're also seeing tension at the moment. Mm,
1: And that could always get worse, and we've seen tension, particularly in Ireland in the past week.
0: Yeah, and I've been looking at the story of the horrible stabbing in Dublin and then the horrible rioting that happened after it, and thinking... I'm really sick of talking about horrible news on the podcast. Is there a positive way of reporting this? Unfortunately, I've found one. i found a hero among all this horrible stuff happening. And it's a fast food courier who saw the children being stabbed outside their school in Dublin. And he described how he helped to stop that attacker. So three children and a school care assistant were injured in the stabbing on Thursday in Dublin City Centre. Very concerning for me because I just think, is there any chance that could be me leaving my school Mm. after I've done a day shift? But Chal Benicio, a fast food courier, was riding past the scene and stopped to intervene. I didn't think about being brave. Instinct just kicked in, he told BBC News Northern Ireland. It happened... Outside Glasgow's Shillestray e Mill, a primary school in the city, at about 1:40 p.m. local time, two of the injured are critically ill, including a five-year-old girl, five-year-old, gee. and the school care assistant, who's in her thirties. The knife attack was followed by hours of rioting in Dublin city centre, which left several police officers injured, one seriously. Mr. Benicio, a father of two from Brazil has been living in the Republic of Ireland for the past year and works as a fast food courier for delivery. I realised there was a little girl involved and a man just pulled the girl from the woman. When I saw the knife, I stopped my bike straight away. I didn't think if I'm afraid or brave or not. I acted on instinct. Mr Benicio told BBC News Northern Ireland he took off his helmet and hit the man on the head strongly and he fell down. He said the scenes were stuck in his mind. I'm just praying for the girl to make it and for good news. He said the emergency services came quickly. Mr Benicio has been praised and called a hero, but it is not a label he would choose for himself. I'm a dad with two kids and I was in the right place at the right time. You see a man with a knife with a little girl, there's nothing else to do. You just have to act, he added. I don't have a lot of knowledge of what's going on in Ireland. People say the protests are against immigrants. I'm an immigrant myself and I was the one to help he said. They might have used the attack in the morning as an excuse to do what they did, he added. Toysiach, the Irish Prime Minister, Leo Varadka, paid tribute to all those who stepped in to help, saying they risked their lives to save lives. He said the school care assistant threw herself in harm's way to protect the children and he described the woman as heroic. He also pointed out that those who intervened weren't just from Ireland, they were from other countries as well. And they are real Irish heroes, whatever their nationality. What do you think, Adam?
1: Well, I don't think it's very good that obviously there's been a mass stabbing. Because, yeah, these attacks are very bad. I can see why there was so much unrest that followed it. I'm not saying the unrest was good, but I can see why it happened.
0: I want to give this chow guy a virtual shake of the hand here on the podcast. Not just for what he did, which actually I disagree with him where he says he's not a hero, he was just doing what comes naturally. He made the choice to do the right thing there. He acted on instinct but he chose to follow that instinct and do what's right. But where he also says that people are just using this stabbing as an excuse to riot and be nasty to each other. I think... That's the reason why a lot of these riots take place. It
1: could be, but also people might feel as though they're fighting for the country in terms of these riots.
0: But I think once people feel they've got an excuse to be nasty to each other, they just take it far too far.
1: Yeah, and it was over the top and things got smashed up. There were nothing related to it. And I saw videos of angry people saying, smash this up, smash that up, and it's not. Good at all.
0: And if all immigrants were like this guy, who get a job, work hard, do the right thing, help people, then what an amazing country we'd be and how great we'd get along with each other and we wouldn't have to mm. moan about migrants anymore. So I hope that reason prevails in Dublin for the rest of this weekend and I hope we have many more child in in this country.
1: Mm, yeah, fingers crossed, but like I said, it's... The world is not looking good at the moment, and I can only see things getting worse in the UK, unfortunately.
0: I have to remain positive, despite what the news says. I've realised this week, sometimes you can watch a little bit too much news. When I was on the residential, and I was up in those dales, Mm. and in those little villages, and it's just so peaceful, and there's nothing going on, and when you're in those places... None of it matters. doesn't matter that there's all these but, wars going but on. But does it
1: matter in Bradford. That's the question.
0: That's it. When you return to the hustle and the bustle of the city where there's lots of people and... and every, lots of conflicts between
1: cultures. Yeah,
0: everyone's cross at each other. It can make you so miserable. So you have to be positive.
1: Yeah. Like I say, yeah, if you're in the countryside, That's not really worth worrying about because there's not actually that many people there anywhere.
0: And things like this podcast, I think, help me because... Even when there is terrible news, at least I've got something to be happy about that. I know I'll be able to come here and chat with you about it for an hour or so, Adam. So it's always a pleasure.
1: Yep, and it was great chatting to you this evening. And if you'd like to share your views, you can email us at breakthenewspod at com.
0: Yep. Thank you for listening everyone. I am looking forward to watching Doctor Who tonight and then hopefully getting my PlayStation 5 this week. Hooray! Right. Well
1: I look forward to that and yep, we'll probably be in touch off the podcast and arranging it to make sure that you listener that you can continue to listen to these throughout the coming weeks. And before I go, I'd just like to a share with your family and friends and you take care everyone. Bye. Ta-da!